Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As long as I, th- one of the things for me too is that because I'm an introvert who's in who's surrounded by a lot of people and I also have to be, I have family things that I go through. I'll actually mention it in a moment. So that means I'm always surrounded by people. As long as there's something that's removed from people, that's what actually rejuvenates my spirit. So it's almost having those moments to do the thing I want to. And if what I want to do is such and such, you know what I mean? Is if what I want to do is read about real estate right now, that is still a thing. So as long as it's downtime. It has to do with removal from people and allowing it to kind of manifest. You know, what is it really spiritually at this moment I need? Yeah, that works. Melting Pot, a global podcast series hosted by Pile, connects guests who have inspiring stories and reaches out to a multicultural audience over 52 countries. Guests are diverse, such as celebrities, entrepreneurs, travelers, and many more who've had a turning point in their lives and moved over to a holistic lifestyle. Follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, social media. Hi, everyone. Today, I am in conversation with the lovely Zon Silo Gompa, and I'm going to call her Silo moving forward. Silo <laughs> is the president of Esther Egg Inc., which is a production company. She's an actress. She's a writer, a producer. She has an interest in stories that move people, speak of what life really is, and plant hope. CeeLo is truly multifaceted, multi-talented, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Payal. You make me feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that is you. I'm not doing anything to actually enhance your image because that's who you really are. And I am so excited to hear how you actually got inspired into a journey of filmmaking that's Mm -hmm. one and how did the world of storytelling you know where you focus more on people and how you can inspire hope through your stories is something that would be really interesting not just for me but for everyone else to hear. Yeah, I feel like my story is a long story and it's long because my journey's been long. I, at the age of eight, someone asked me what I wanted to do with my life. And I thought, oh, I want to be an actress. And that has never changed. And that's always been the forefront and the, you know, the burning passion. But my upbringing was interesting. I was born in Liberia. My parents literally came from the interior and somehow, through a lot of trials and opportunities and 
scary things they were able to get out of that space and also actually get to the U.S. So anyway, my country is one that is pretty war-torn. And at one point, my dad was the pretty much the speech writer of the future dictator of Liberia. And through those experiences and just other things, I've witnessed a lot of pain and struggle and just really, I think, heart-wrenching stories, as well as stories of triumph. My parents also were people who really deeply cared for other people. They wanted to make a difference. They, they've seen more than I've ever seen. And, and it was something they wanted to pass on their to their children in terms of, you know, just a, a life of service. And so for me, just kind of meshing the two things, art, filmmaking, and trying to serve people and make a difference and be part of something, those, that's kind of how it came together over time. With the producing thing, though, I actually, when I was a teenager, I used to read everyone's biography, you know, from, you know, just all the movie greats in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, all of it up to current day. And I remember at one point reading Tom Cruise's biography. And I didn't even said, know. I did not even know that he that there was a Tom. Well, it was like it was a biography written about him, you know. Okay. And they kind of pulled together all these different interviews and all these different things. And he, at one point, he just said that he became very good at knowing the camera, you know, knowing where his light was. He he learned all the technical things, and that's what actually distinguished his career. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> and that was actually something that was exciting to me. And so as I was going through college, at one point I ended up, I was an English major and I took a class at my school in which it was, I'm saying class at my school, of course. Um, the class was, it was about doing industrials or something like that. And so we were able to study all these films. And while we're studying the films, it's just really you know, something happened and I ended up transferring to a college that had production major. And I remember just kind of like think about what Tom Cruise said. And I thought, okay, you know what? If I understood the back end of everything, it'd be so much better. And so I went there and I found out that I'm not technical in terms of I don't shoot very well. My eyesight's not that great. All these different things don't happen, but I did understand how to make a film. And I remember at one point watching this film in which we had a lot of avant-garde things. I remember this woman just kind of flitting through the hallway, running, 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 and she was the filmmaker. And I thought, huh, that's kind of fun if I could make films and make $40,000 a year and just do that. That would be kind of fun. And so that was kind of like the first time that was planted fully. But I still just was thinking about being an actor. And I think I had that struggle that, you know, I think a lot of actors have, which is that if people don't put you in your films, then you know what I mean? Are you really liked and wanted? Or do you make them and ha have some kind of controller power? And yeah, and so I, that was kind of back there. And I kept on kind of pursuing a little bit of the acting and just kind of getting waylaid by life. And at some point I started having friends who would be like, okay, I'm going to shoot this 
short or something and I'm going to do this and would you do this and I think one of the first ones was a friend of mine saying would you do the SAG paperwork the SAG after paperwork the union and I said okay and she's like I'll give you put producer credit and that's kind of how that started okay so, so actually being a producer came before being an actress no, actually, I started acting as a teenager. So I started on the stage. And at some point, my family ended up in Buffalo when I was 13, Buffalo, New York. And I I either did stage or, and it was about the same time, I did I did a, a extra, a job as the background extra for Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> and that was a very funny experience, but it was fun. Yeah. And I remember I got paid $75 and I was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then also I had a friend whose dad was a, was a stage, stage director, manager, all that stuff. And he would put on these plays. And so she was acting as well. And she said, Hey, you know, you should get involved in this project. And I went and auditioned and I, I got started that way and then did some more plays and it was great in Buffalo. You got paid for your work for doing stage. And, and so that's kind of how I started with acting. Uh, I would say I started producing maybe 10 years later. Okay. So is, is that when you set up Esther Egg Inc? Or, or I started, you were kind of freelance producing prior to that. And then, yeah, it's pretty much freelance. And I actually have had three production companies. And Esther Egg is actually the second of three, and that was established in 2014. Okay. So the first one, I I did my name. <laughs> so it was like Stilo Gampa Inc. And we didn't do that much production stuff, but we did some other work that was kind of related. And, and then right after Esther Egg, I actually established, I ended up um, selling that company a long time ago. And then established Esther Egg a couple of years later, and then established a uh, partnership, an LLC, with two other friends. And for a while there, I kind of focused on that. And we did some productions, and uh, he was an amazing writer, my friend, who uh, kind of got the other, you know, another person and I involved. And um, I did all the um, legal setups. I was the secretary also of the company and took care of all those official and important details. And he had written all these really wonderful films and the idea was to do more. And, but I said to myself, you know what, every year I'm going to decide, I'm going to look at this and decide if it fits in what I'm doing. And yeah. And so after about two years of that, it was time to move on. And so at that point, I was able to really delve into Esther Egg a, a little bit. I think that was 20, 2016 I left or 2017 I left that company and established right after Esther Egg was. And so then started focusing a little bit more on that. Okay, yeah, because I think collaboration, especially in the entertainment industry is so important. Everyone needs to be in sync because there's so many different factors that are involved and mm -hmm. actually it, it's like a play and you have to put all the pieces together or like a puzzle how do you ensure that the people that you collaborate with they share your vision for storytelling that because clearly for you what 
I understand is that your storytelling has to be inspirational and something that actually connects with people, whether it's emotionally or in some way makes a difference. So how do you, what are some of the factors that you consider when you're actually looking at collaborating with other people? Mm -hmm. So you know what, it's always a bit of a (laughs) miracle, I think, because there are things you can look for, but then the art of actually working with somebody, someone is something else. And I think I've actually been very fortunate. One of the things is that I do have a team that's around me now. And that team um, have come from different things. So I have two producers and they're the most instrumental in the company right now. And I lean on them a lot. Both of them were long-term friends. So Halima, I've actually had, I'd done a film with and I had, I met her, I think in 2007. So we've known each other for quite a while. And we met through some unexpected circumstances. She's Muslim, I'm Christian. And we ended up meeting at a a Bible study (laughs) (laughs) in which a friend brought her to and then left her there. And so that's how we, you know, became friends. And they said, oh, you know, we should put prayer partners together. And she was like, well, I don't really pray like you guys do. And I said, well, you know, we'll just figure it out. And we ended up becoming friends from that. And, and so she just was, we had collaborated in different ways. In the past, we tried to make a feature film together, but didn't really know how. And, and then we did a short and just was amazingly talented person. Her writing was always off the charts and still is. She just really gets everything from format to, she just can really dig in and get the emotion, even in something very simple. She also is a very talented actress. And when I'm trying to run lines, that's the person I want to go to because she'll figure out things that I won't see. Right. And she'll get things out of me. And just a really great creative partner to have. At the same time, she's a lawyer. So she also has that side of her brain that can understand the other the other parts. And then there's Nate. And Nate, so Halima, by the way, came into the company, I think 2019. And at that point, I understood, oh, yeah, I need collaborators on this end as well. And I reached out and did some, even put some ads out and ended up with three people. And through the pandemic, she was the one who stayed of the three. And and then Nate was someone I met also in a Bible study. And we met for like five minutes and got on really well. Didn't really have that much interaction, occasional like Facebook comments, I think, from me on his page. And then in 2017, he reached out and wanted to talk a little bit more, especially with some of the political things that were going on in the U.S. at the time and just these conversations we're starting to have. And so from there, we became really great friends and confidants. And I understood at that point that he wanted to be a director. And he had written his first, his first book. And again, just someone who had really detailed eye. He's good at the creative. He's also good at the other parts. And yeah. And so then at some point I 
was considering, okay, who do we add to our team now that we are a smaller team or we're just a team of two. I'd love to have another person or so. And I went, oh, wait, May. And I knew that he wanted to do a production company at some point. I said, why don't you just join this one? And it's, it's been really great. I think what's good too is that they actually work together better. I think then I work with them in terms of like, there's a similarity in their brains. And so there have been times I've been able to literally just watch and sit back while they do all the stuff that I can't get. And, <laughs> and so that's one thing. And then we've, you know, we've worked with interns and we've, I work with virtual assistants and all that stuff. And so some bit of that is hit and miss, you know, like I yeah, sometimes. But I think what's important is that the core yeah. team is connected and yes, yes it is and for the three of you to completely understand each other and complement each other and you know you're able to sort of someone has like you mentioned Halima right you said her name Mm -hmm. Halima has the lawyer's brain and at the same time she's a writer Nate is director as well as a writer so I think everyone sort of Mm -hmm. you know as the core group complements each other and which is then everyone else is not incidental but they are changeable you know as long as the three Mm -hmm. of you have the power to be able to do things together so that's interesting so how do you pick stories to tell through Mm -hmm. you do more shorts is my understanding right at the moment and so yeah We've done a lot of shorts and that, you know, sometimes is a conversation that we've had because for me, we're really at that point where we're focusing and for them as well, really focusing on, on features and TV shows. And so that's our real focus right now. I've done a lot more shorts than they have. And so sometimes it's a thought of, okay, do we do this? And I feel like right now, when we do shorts, it's going to be something that's attached to something we're doing. So we might do a trailer for the one of the TV shows we're working on or that kind of thing. So right now we're featured, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I wanted to ask you, how important is empathy in crafting stories that can connect people emotionally? From your point of view and given your journey coming from Liberia and all the experiences mm-hmm. that you've had, which obviously you're not able to highlight in detail, but how important do you think empathy is? So that's the first part of, of what I want to ask you. And then I also wanted to ask you, how do you get feedback for all the work that you do? Because I think it's important to have that element and be able to then take away from the feedback. So I I wonder how you work with that process. The two very different questions, but I've just sort of tried to bring them together. Yeah, I'd be interested to know. Okay. I lost one of your your questions. I remember the one about feedback. Yeah. And the first one was... How important is empathy when it comes to crafting stories? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I think that different people work in different ways, you know, so I would say there may be a place for someone who is not empathetic, but they have certain skill sets when it comes to um, filmmaking. Okay. However, for us, empathy 
is really important. It just kind of allows you to understand the moments that matter. First of all, picking them and how you're going to tell them and just the little nuances. And to just give you an idea, it's, we're working on this feature and it is based on a true story about his name is Aranda McLean and he was shot in the back of the head when he was 10 years old. It was a stray bullet. And we actually spent quite a bit of time interviewing people who were involved, the police who found him and saved his life, talking to his family members and all those things. And I think if I can just highlight with maybe two different examples, one of them is that when we're interviewing the, the female police officer, they're, first of all, just really taking that time, we could feel their stories. There were times. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In which people would cry, and it might even be a, a cop crying about something that happened, I think, 22, 23 years ago now. And so you... I think connecting with them and understanding the power, we were able to then translate that to the page. So we started out with a script that was, it was good, but I didn't, I remember when I read it, it didn't pull in heartstrings as important as the story was and how powerful it was. And I remember there was a little detail that the female cop gave and Halima was able to take that detail and just craft her whole story into two different moments. So you fully understood what happened to her, but then also have her, you know, talk to somebody. And as she's talking to somebody, I mean, that's when I broke in the story, is listening to her, is reading that part of her talking to this person. And I just started crying. And I think without empathy, I, I think empathy is, it does distinguish how well a story is told yeah. because it's not sometimes in all the stuff. I mean, this is important, you know, like it's, we're talking about gun violence. We're talking about the destruction of lives. We're talking about lives being changed and forced into situations. We're talking about someone having to recover and you can watch that all day. But it you can watch that all day and still it doesn't pin, it doesn't necessarily prick the heart. But there's a, that moment in which if you can connect with something and just like it was in that moment is the brokenness of this cop who just picked up this little boy. Right. And so you can't get to those moments without empathy. Yeah. So then the other question you asked 
was feedback. You know, it's so funny. We're just starting to get feedback because we just, in the last couple of years, started actually submitting films to, to film festivals and stuff. And this morning I actually was reading something in which we had progressed to a certain level. And they wrote so much in detail about the film. And that was really special. It was really special. And I think that it helps you to know that you're doing something right. Because sometimes you don't know. You go, oh, that was nice for me. That was really nice for me. I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed working with these people and all the little moments that people don't see. But to have someone write in depth about the change that this little creation did in their hearts or did in their life or in their thinking, or just even the fact that after they've looked at all these different films, this one came up as meaning something. Yeah. So th- it is important. I think it keeps you going and keeps you on track and actually helps you to distinguish what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. But we've I, also spent yeah. a long time without right. it, without right. feedback. Yeah. And I, I, I think that when you don't have the feedback, you have to work on two different things. One is that practice makes perfect. So you just keep on working at it. And you're going to learn for yourself. You're going to learn how to work with other people. You're going to learn all these different things that are important. But then also you're going to start to distinguish for yourself what matters to you in your career and what you're trying to create. And that is important. And you have to use that until you can get until you can get feedback. But I think also too, what's good is that always show your stuff. For that person who's just starting, they want to do something little. If it's just your writing, show your writing. Don't keep it to yourself because it is important to get feedback from other people. And it doesn't have to be someone who's a professional or is at that level, but make all those steps to make sure that your art, your work is seen by other people because that's the best way to grow. Yeah. And I guess you would, you know, if you don't get opinions or if you don't get feedback, Mm -hmm. then there could be something very critical or crucial that may have missed you, your Mm -hmm. thinking when you're writing or whatever it is. So at least in this way, you have another perspective and Mm -hmm. that you may not have thought of. So yeah. (laughs) And you have to be able to take it in the correct spirit because a lot of people probably don't and they feel that it's criticism but I think criticism always leads to something positive yeah and that's important yeah yeah I think criticism is a beautiful thing I think that as long as we take it in the long run it's helpful and there's so, so many different ways to take it and use it yeah. Um, so it doesn't have to be one thing. If someone tells you they hate something, you love it. Do you know, maybe that gives you a stance to be able to look at it and say, okay, why do I love it? What works and what doesn't work? But I know even for myself, I was watching a film that I was in a while ago, just recently. And I always am that person. I don't want to watch my stuff. I don't want to do you know what I mean. I like, watch it because I have to, but I don't enjoy it. And I've gotten feedback about my work for a while that was positive and I would always have my own take on it. And so I was watching this film, I don't know, six years ago or something, and I enjoyed myself in it. Hmm. You know, and so it is important to realize that what we're thinking in the moment may not be what carries through to the future. 
and even more reason to take criticism because maybe in this moment you don't get it, the good or the bad that they're saying, but you could later. Yeah, because then you're revisiting something, which mm -hmm. you keep it aside and then you're sort of looking at it again. And then you're looking at it because you've had in the interim, you've had so many different experiences, which may have changed your thinking a little bit and your approach to what it was then to what it is or the way you would look at it now. So I think mm -hmm. yeah. it makes a lot of sense. So what do you do in your downtime because I think that is so important CeeLo you can't be working 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 all the time right so what? um I get told that a lot <laughs> so here's the thing is I you know and I was having this conversation yesterday I enjoy work so much and then I enjoy to not be around people <laughs> <laughs> and part of it is that I, I am an introvert um, and I'll go an introvert at that, but I can, you end up spending so much time with people, especially in a business like this, is constant phone calls, is constantly dealing with people in different ways. And, and also for us at this level, we have to do, we do casting, we do all these different things. And even if we're looking at a casting director or someone else to come in, we're still part of that process. So you're constantly working in areas that someone else who's bigger doesn't, right? And I do enjoy working and I work longer than most people do, longer days. I have a different perspective on it, but I also believe, I'm, I'm just saying, I think that people have more time to work, but it depends on what they're interested in, right? Um, what's going on? Do you have a family? Do you have all these different things? And so, but rest in itself is really, really important. It is an area I struggle with. I've really learned like, you know, that idea of taking one day of rest. I've used it and I see how powerful it is in terms of how it shifts the rest of your week. You actually are more, you're quicker. You are, you know, I've seen it affect my exercise and affect my, my ability to think and make better decisions and work more efficiently. But yes, I'm now trying again to implement that one day. In my downtime, I actually just like to spend a lot of time alone, you know, and so I do work it into parts of my day and I'm trying to kind of keep a schedule in certain ways so I can say, okay, I'm going to do this. Now, I think at the beginning of the year, I was, I've gone through some burnout, I think in, during the pandemic, there was a point I was actually working something like 130 hours a week or something. And yes. And so I burned out and it was really hard to be on schedule in certain ways. And I developed these weird habits like, okay, I'm going to play this game or something that was just to just do something that was different. And I also had to realize that those games, I could give it up the next day. I just didn't want to. I just needed to find some way to just remove myself. And so now it's like um, using my downtime once I was able to kick those habits has been like, um, I'm back to reading. I do mix, I do mix work with downtime a little bit, just because for me, I love learning. And so then I try to learn things that applies to what I do. And so that might, that might be like a lot of business stuff. I love learning about real estate because I own some properties. I love learning about just 
all these different things. So yeah, I mean, I find, I find that I still want to study things and learn things in my downtime. And that's just part of my personality in some ways, as long as I, I, one of the things for me too, is that because I'm an introvert who's in, who's surrounded by a lot of people. And I also have to, I have family things that I go through. I'll actually mention it in a moment. So that means I'm always surrounded by people. As long as there's something that's removed from people, that's what actually rejuvenates my spirit. So it's almost having those moments to do the thing I want to. And if what I want to do is such and such, you know what I mean? Is if what I want to do is read about real estate right now, that is still a thing. So as long as it's downtime, it has to do with removal from people and allowing it to kind of manifest, you know, what is it really spiritually at this moment I need? Yeah. That works. I'm not much for pampering myself and things like that. And sometimes, yeah, downtime is just doing the things you should do to pamper yourself. I would say there's something interesting. So with my mom had a stroke some years ago in 2006, and that actually is something that very much affected my career and my choices and all those different things because it plays it. It plays at you in ways that you may not even be aware of because it's such an important thing. And, and so in 2019, she had another one and that really put her in a space where she doesn't speak. She doesn't, she's bedridden, all these different things. And so sometimes, and I do, you know, I spend a lot of time with her and Sometimes that moment of being kind of like a downtime for me is when I just sit and hold her hand. I'm so sorry though. Yeah. Can be quite painful. Yeah. It it is painful. You know, I I think it's pain. And that's, you know, one of the things that makes me think differently when I look at film and what we're saying and what we're doing. Um, I I think that film should be an escape. Okay. But it also doesn't have to be an escape that is that removes you from the the world's um, troubles. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think sometimes when it reminds you of what's out there, it reminds you of what's important. Um, also, I love to say this, that, you know, I think that um, art both teaches and reflects. Yeah. So it should be speaking about what is reality, but then it should also be teaching us the good and the bad about that reality, maybe, you know, I'm not saying necessarily judgment, yeah. but I've learned that in everything, there are good and bad consequences. So there's a sense of having some responsibility with what has happened to my family and happened to my mom that has been instrumental in carving how I tell stories, but also carving the way that I the way that I also accept work with other people, I think, you know, like realizing there's challenges that aren't always said. Everybody has something that they're going through. And then, so in some ways, having grace for other people, as well as um, wanting to tell certain types of stories a little bit more. Yeah, now that, so it obviously comes from a personal space and personal experience and then it manifests into different forms but essentially yeah for you it does come from a personal space and that is yeah that's a journey that you have to go through unfortunately but then given that you're a creative person you're able to divert it in a 
different way and allow others also who may be feeling or going through different experiences to come to terms with it. And, and I think it's important, the kind of work that you're doing, and if it's able to help other people, I think that is just a, a yeah. very, very important factor. And I appreciate that of you. And thank you so much for sharing your personal story with me. And I think it, it does mean a lot. So thank you. Silo, it's just been so nice talking to you. And it feels it feels like we we know each other. And it I, does. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. a show. So before I let you go, any mm-hmm. kind of I won't say words of wisdom, but any kind of advice that you may have for because this industry is whichever part of the world it may be in or maybe from it's very difficult to get that breakthrough so any Mm -hmm. kind of advice that you may have for young whether they're aspiring directors or writers or producers anything that you would like to share on how they can what are the things that they should be doing and what are the things that because there's a lot of disappointment as well so yeah so any kind of advice that you may have for them yeah this is the first thing is that I don't believe in giving up this field may be tough to kind of find our road and there'll be moments that even if you do get a certain level of success or get to a certain place you still have to reevaluate because things change But this is the thing is that we all, for most of us, we grew up being told we should have a plan B or even better yet, just do the plan B. Don't do that. It's too hard. What I've learned is that that information is really false. If you are an artist of any kind, there's a way in for all of us. And I think one of the things that's been great with the industry is that we are switching to something that's more open and showing more faces and more stories. So that means more than any other time, there's a place for you. So a lot of it is just trying to find your voice. And it is a thing of, if you're not doing it, you're not learning and you're not, and not only are you not learning, you're not, what's the word, kind of honing your skills. Yeah. And especially for people who are actors and things like that, one of the things you're going to find is that for so many people, the reason you're not landing jobs, for instance, is maybe you're not auditioning enough. Do you know what I mean? And so you want to create as much as you can create. And you just have to remember two things, which is this, is that several things. One is is to focus on, know what your goal is and focus on that goal. Make some small steps every single day with that in mind. And you can always, I, I, I think it's really important to, realize this, this is a business. Okay. And so that means that you have to understand business rules in some ways. And it doesn't mean that you have to know all of it, but that's why you get a team around you. So what you don't know, then you want to be able to pay for it or get it in some ways. Right. So make sure that you're just working towards things. And, and there have been a lot of studies that actually proved, uh, at least in the U S that, actually going ahead and diving into that artistic career is as good as whatever you're being told to do instead. 
is lucrative, it works, it pays off. And the two things that you need, skill yeah, and network. And your network actually starts with anyone right now. You never know. It could be your mom. That's the only person. Start with your mom. Yeah. Okay. And you can build from that. And so just continue doing and also just realize that your voice and what it's going to look like for you will develop over time. And it has for me. There should be no fear of rejection because like you mentioned, you need to audition a lot. And after a hundred rejections, the hundred and first audition will go through, but don't give up. And I think that, yeah, that is is a very important uh, message. And you're absolutely right that if you are already thinking of falling back, on your plan B, then you will not give plan A as much as you should or you could. So that is is the most important thing. So yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much. I have really enjoyed talking to you, (laughs) CeeLo. I wish you all the very best and and with your mom as well. Do look after yourself. And uh, who knows, we'll meet somewhere someday because the world is so small today. (laughs) A small planet. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. For more weekly conversations, do listen to Melting Pot on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Follow us on YouTube and on Instagram at Podcast Melting Pot. So until the next episode, this is Pyle signing off. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.